Hey everyone, I'm Andrew, and you're listening to Small Efforts, a collaboration between Crit and Miss Grants. And hi, I'm Sean. Small Efforts is a show where we talk about cybersecurity, design, and the continuous small efforts it takes to build a business. Thanks for pushing this back a little bit. I am trying to go skiing this weekend with some friends. I just got my first pair of ski boots ever. And they had like a moldable interior lining and REI had like this stuff to mold the lining. Basically, you just like heat the, them up. You stick them into onto this like weird contraption, like the interior linings, you stick them onto this contraption. And it's basically the guy did was like, yeah, it's essentially two hair dryers just blowing hot air into the boots. And then you stand in them for 10 minutes and voila, they are molded to your feet. So and today was like the only day I had a slot of time available to go before this weekend. So I was trying to trying to get that knocked out. Just be honest, Andrew. You started recording because you wanted everyone to know about your cool new boots. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's awesome. I was also invited to go skiing. Ooh, are you going? No. Do you ski? No. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been before? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like snowboarding. I can't. However, I am trying to go to the Dior exhibit this weekend. Ooh, fancy. That's the last weekend. It's at the Brooklyn Museum. So yeah. I only recently found out. I kept seeing it all over social media with like people in like the Dior exhibit. And I was mm-hmm. like, what is that thing? That's so cool. It's all like nice and white. And it's all these like, I don't know, fashion Dior things. And I finally found out what it was only to find out that I have one weekend left to go. So we shall see. Anyway fashion yay (laughs) hobbies are expensive by the way like i got my skis from maddie's dad they were like hand-me-downs of his but boots poles gloves i also got a helmet from him goggles like ski gear is freaking expensive it's so silly i guess i've always just rented i didn't realize how expensive that was interesting yeah yeah Yeah. but renting is not cheap either like i I was going to wait and buy a pair of boots over the summer. And then I went and like, I had to pay, I think it was like 40 bucks or 50 bucks to rent a pair of ski boots, maybe even more. It might've been 60 Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. like that. And I was like, well, this is silly by the time, like the amount that I will save in buying a pair of boots, the pair of discounted boots in the summer is less than I will spend renting boots right, right. if I go a, a few times. And it'll be more comfortable because it's molded to your feet. That's the... Yeah. yeah. Dude, that's cool. That's pretty cool. They are a lot more comfortable than the rental nice. boots I have worn. I was like, oh, wow. These <laughs> yeah. fit. This is great. <laughs> Maybe that's why I despise skiing because every time I've gone, I really don't like ski boots because I feel like I can't move in them at all. I don't yeah. Know. Snowboarding boots, definitely more comfortable, mm-hmm. but snowboarding terrifies me. Any board things that I have ever tried have ended pretty poorly, except for surfing. I can like get up on a surfboard. I can't, I'm not good, but I can like get up onto a surfboard. I think surfboarding is the only boarding that terrifies me. Yeah. Really? Well, snowboarding, snowboarding is hard. I, last time I went snowboarding. To be fair, the only surfboarding I've ever done is in South Carolina where the waves are like maximum three or four feet tall. And that's like a really big wave for South Carolina. I think surfing in like Hawaii mm-hmm. or California where you've got 10, 15 foot waves. Hell no. Uh-uh. No that's interest. Fair. That just sounds like 
getting a nose full of salt water over and over and over yeah. again. So wait, have you skateboarded, longboarded? Oh, I'm horrible. Oh, Every time I have tried to step foot on a skateboard, I have come very close to hurting myself. Okay. Austin like can skateboard and longboard and stuff. Austin's and, the coolest but, guy in the fucking world. That's why. <laughs> he used to just like keep a like a small skateboard in his car and like would park he would like park far away from the office and he would just like skate to the office and I was like okay. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's right. You used to have like an office office, right? Yeah, up until so for the first few years that we ran crit, we worked out of a co-working mm-hmm. space. Really cool community. Mm-hmm but does start to get old not having your own space and just having people around right, all the time. Right. And then we had a tiny space above an art gallery when we first moved to Charleston. It was like a thousand, no, not even, it was 250 square feet and we had four people working out of it. So it was tight. And then we had a slightly larger space in this kind of nondescript, boring looking office building. And we had like five or six people in there at one point. And then we were mostly remote by the time we had to give up that space. But Austin and I still liked going into the office and there were still, we still had one other employee in Charleston at that time. And so like you have to have a physical address for like mail and banks and stuff. And so we we're like, all right, we'll just get, keep the office even though we're remote. And we found this really cool little house that was like, mixed residential commercial use and so we were able to use it as an office and that place was great but we signed we like moved in october 2020 and so then there was no point like (laughs) no point in keeping it so we signed like a two-year lease and just let it go like a little while ago i'm so jealous i want an office so bad no one's here no one's in new york to like come hang out with me except like a brand manager now but like (laughs) yeah I don't know. Controversial opinion. If I had the resources, I would build an in-person team. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't think I would ever, like, even when we had an office, we were still, you know, if you wanted to work from home one day or some number of days a week, you were welcome to. So we were always kind of remote friendly. But I miss interacting with my team in yeah. person. And I loved having an office and, like, thinking about how to decorate the office and how to make it a cool Mm -hmm. space that was creative and fun and that we liked and that sort of said, I used to dream about, I loved being a part of the local community. And so I used to dream about getting to the point where we were big enough to have an office that we could let people use for events. Dude, me too. Host people and all of that. And there's no, no reason for us to do any of that anymore. Plus, I just, I like my coworkers. And so, like, I like the people on our team. And so I would love to be in the same place as them and get to hang out. And I think building an in-person team, if I were in a big enough city Mm -hmm. so that there was, like, a large enough talent Mm -hmm. pool and had the resources and, like, the time to just recruit in that city and not have to worry about recruiting outside of that city... I would totally consider building an in-person team. Me too. You're in New York. I meant like I would also like to build an in-person team. I just don't have the resources to hire New Yorkers in New York office. Yeah. And, you know, even even like a Brooklyn apartment. It's just not like a Brooklyn loft. It's just a lot. 
being remote, you're definitely more nimble and you can like, yeah. it, like the cockroach startup idea, like yeah. you're harder to kill, I feel like, <laughs> as a remote, as a remote company. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm just like sad these days. Not sad. I'm just, it's just so lonely without everyone. Mm-hmm. Have y'all done a team retreat Not yet? yet. No, so I'm planning one. I'm planning one. I'm currently cool. like, yeah. Yeah. We haven't started planning. We'll probably get through, we're hiring a product designer. Oh, cool. cool. So looking for a product designer right now. And once we get through that, we'll probably start planning our retreat for this nice. year. That's awesome. And this will be the first year that we, like, we're going to dedicate a whole week. What level and, product designer, yeah. by the way? Looking for mid or senior. So our team will be, when this person joins, our team will be just Austin and Nathan. Mm-hmm. And so don't really feel like we have the resources right now to support a junior. Would love to hire either later this year or maybe early next year, hire a, a true junior designer, someone looking for their first design opportunity and be able to train them up. But right now, it would just put too much stress on the gotcha. team. So. Speaking of hiring, I'm hiring marketers. If you're a growth marketer or product marketer and want to work at an agency, which is a weird place to be a marketer, please. <laughs> is it? I feel like tons of marketers work at agencies. So. Like that's know. that's one of the very common career paths in marketing. You yeah, either go. I feel like it's weirder as an engineer. I think there are fewer dev shops than there are like advertising and marketing agencies. You're right. Maybe a product marketer specifically. Like maybe I think more folks who think of themselves marketer. as product yeah. marketers work at product companies. Yeah. But yeah. So you get like intimately familiar with like the product specifically, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas, but like, there's so much value. Like every single one of our clients have asked us to like for more product marketing help. And currently I'm the only IC to do things and I'm I'm really tired. (laughs) So Yeah, I need help. Yeah. That's cool. Nice. We should is there gonna be a job posting? We link it in the Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a job description up. It's been interesting. So okay, I wanna pitch you on a productized service idea. I love productized service ideas. Okay. Hit me. I genuinely might do this if I can figure out how much time it would take. Okay. I think that there is a, there would be massive demand for a low cost recruiting service where you're not doing manual sourcing. You're not charging a placement fee. So you're not charging a 20 to 30% Uh placement fee. Instead, you charge sort of a flat rate. And what you do is you optimize, you run advertising campaigns for the job. So company has a job post, you post it to various job boards, you place it in newsletters, you Mm. maybe run some LinkedIn or Facebook ads, but you get a team who is really good at, at digital advertising and you monitor which job boards are performing best You monitor kind of which communities are open to job descriptions and active. You keep an eye on like new sort of pockets of new up and coming job boards and help optimize the job advertising. So it's not traditional recruiting where you have the, you know, work of manual sourcing, which is the most time intensive part and why recruiters have to charge so much money. Although I think also they're probably charging that because it's just what the market will bear. And so maybe a low cost service like this, you'd end up moving more and more towards that market premium anyway. 
maybe it's silly to try to underprice when clearly there are lots of people paying recruiting fees. But I just know that like every time we promote a job, we don't feel like we can pay recruiting fees. Like, mm-hmm. but we are happy to pay up to five thousand dollars to just promote a job and like get a decent number of applicants applying. And the primary way we do that is posting to a bunch of different job boards. And the job boards we post to every time we end up tweaking because some of them do better than others. And I'm just like, man, I wish I could like see this data for a bunch of different companies and figure out which job boards are the best to post to for which types of jobs. And I wish I could optimize this process a lot. Is I like the idea. I think the data on job boards would be super interesting because I don't know. I wonder if there's just like an analytics thing that tells you how good job boards perform, right? Yeah, Andrew's shaking his head no for those of you who can't see him. Nothing I have found, I wish. Yeah. Because most job boards are also just, there's a ton of them out there, like just a ton of them out there. And a lot of them you post to and you get absolutely nothing. But then at the same time, if you post to it and you get just one applicant, it's worth it. And so you end Mm -hmm. up posting to it anyway. Um, but here's my question. So let's say you run this like productized service thing. We'll call it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call it, but I buy this service off of you. And the way you're defining success is number of applicants I get back. Right. Mm-hmm. But the value of a recruiter is like that the recruiter is screening first and giving me kind of like a best fit, maybe top three, top two of like sure. this person is probably the best fit for you. So I guess the question is, like maybe it's just like the fact that we're we have a different hiring process currently because we're still pretty resource, resource constrained there, and I like look for specific people and kind of like built some processes around them currently. But I guess my question for you is like, let's say let's say you do this and you get like a hundred applicants for product designers. How do you look through all of them? Because I got involved into like helping hire once for like a junior role, and there were just so many resumes. They all looked mm-hmm. the same, and I re- realized the value of re- recruiters then. So. I'm curious. Well, I don't, it would feel weird to me to use a recruiter for a junior applicant. That would feel strange. Yeah. I mean, one, I think your target market for a service like this are people who don't feel like they can afford recruiters. So like, sure, it's ideal to just have someone hand you three golden, wonderful applicants. And that's like, that's the dream scenario. But okay, if I can't, if I don't feel like I it makes sense for our business to pay $30,000 on top of a $100,000 salary to hire someone who may only stay at our company for a year or two, then I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to put in a little bit more time myself to screen applicants. And I also like, don't, (laughs) I don't really trust recruiters. I am very skeptical of recruiters. Like how many recruiters have like really put a lot of time and energy into learning about like, good diversity, equity, and inclusion practices. I know there are some out there who have built a brand around that, and I think that's super cool. But a lot of the recruiters out there, I feel like I would rather do the screening than have them do the screening. Same, like anytime I have someone pitch me on a job or a job matching service that uses AI, I'm just like, nope, nope, get this the fuck away from me. I do not trust you. I do not trust the service you have built. I just don't trust AI to like do a good job of screening people in an equitable and inclusive way. So there's like a little bit of that. And yeah, I guess I like do recruiters really work that well? 
because they're charging a fuck ton. So they better work really, really well for me to feel good about using them. Well, I only know one recruiter and I think she's awesome. So shout out to Mimi at People by Mimi. She's amazing. If anyone's looking to hire marketing people, I think, or uh, for cybersecurity, Mimi's amazing. Like if you're a cybersecurity company looking to hire, Mimi's the best besides that promo. That's fair. And I think the yeah. right way to screen applicants, the ideal perfect way is to build a rubric yeah. and run applicants through that rubric. There will still be a little bit of nuance and a little bit of subjectivity. We are not that far along, so we don't have perfect rubrics defined. But a lot of the screening we do on job boards right now is not that hard. Like a lot of it for the roles that we're hiring for right now is just like, does this person meet the bare minimum qualifications? I guess part of it is scale. Like if this service was really good, would you end up with a bunch of people who were all very qualified? If so, that's still a win to me. Like I would rather have that problem than have the problem of like having to post the job myself, that's true. dig through a bunch of unqualified candidates, find the qualified ones. This is funny because you know what I was thinking about last night? What's that? Wow, Andrew would make a really good head of people. I don't know why I was thinking about it. I think I was thinking, you know what it was? I think I was thinking about recruitment and I was just like, damn, how does Andrew do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so because I think, oh no, you know what? It's because offline you had told me about that you were hiring the like a product designer. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I was just thinking like, wow, Andrew would make a good head of people. You know, <laughs> Andrew recruits a lot. Or like Andrew thinks about recruitment and DNI and just all of that in a very like holistic way, so. Thanks. I, yeah. That's a huge compliment. I really appreciate yeah. it. For sure. Absolutely. Anyway, this is, <laughs> I guess the topic of this podcast sort of turned into Andrew ranting about recruiting and the challenges of recruiting as a small company. I thought we were talking about your new business idea. Because I, <laughs> I was telling you how I really want our podcast to just sound like my first million where we just talk about business ideas. So I'm all for it. I think that would be valuable and like an interesting like micro SaaS slash productized service, right? Mm -hmm. Like one of those, you don't really need to interface with a account manager at all and you just kind of upload and you get all those. Honestly, I think an analytics dashboard of, I think micro analytics is super interesting. I don't know what the actual like term for this is. I'm just, I just literally made that up. But like this idea of like niche analytic dashboards, like it's not like, you know, Google analytics, which is all web traffic or even similar web or all of that stuff. But it's like, I don't know, like someone built, I think it's called like ILO.so, which is like Twitter mm -hmm. analytics specifically, mm -hmm. right? I don't even think there's like Hacker News analytics that are out there. I, I think for the most part, those niche analytics tools are basically just built into niche products though. Like we have an analytics panel built into our applicant tracking system and it's yeah. okay. It but sort of tells me, you know, where applicants are coming from. Mm -hmm. So I can use that to get a little bit of information about, about job boards. Are you, are you proposing something that would be sort of a public assessment of job boards? Mm -hmm. And so then you're having to collate data across like, I don't right. know if collate's the right word, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like pull data across multiple people. Yeah, um, which would only work if you had a productized service or micro SaaS, which let you basically one to many job board postings. Honestly, I feel like that's a huge missed opportunity from the applicant tracking systems because all of these yeah. companies already have this data. So why aren't yeah. they writing blog posts saying, hey, here are the best job boards, here are the best. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Like, uh -huh. can I call up someone at Home Run or, or you know, Greenhouse or Lever and yeah. just be like, yo, which job board should I be posting to? You can't tell what I'm currently looking up if Lever has 
a blog. There has to be, right? I'm sure that has to be like part of a content marketing, like someone's content marketing strategy. Like it's too obvious for it not to be. I posted about this on this idea on Twitter, by the way, and one of my friends replied and was basically, it was like, so ZipRecruiter? And I was like, okay, yeah, but make it not suck. <laughs> on my Slack right now, literally before this call started, I was talking to my dev about a security job board and or just like job board in general. We were just talking mm -hmm. about, I think I like, I copy pasted something to him. I was like, how long do you think it would take us to like build this well? And he's like, you know, X amount of time. And it's like, interesting. Okay. Thank you for the thought experiment. But if you want to start an actual job board, not mm -hmm. some sort of service, like I'm talking about that collects mm -hmm. job boards. So there's this really interesting company called Palette, palette.com. Yes. They're New York. They're New Yorkers. Ah, cool. They have an office here. Yeah. They have dogs in there. I know Mike from Return on Security has started a pallet job board. Yeah. I don't know how much traction he's gotten on it so far, but we're actually posting to one of these. Oh, cool. So Fimkey is a uh, well-known sort of product designer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she has started a, a pallet job board and like sort of job pool even. Mm. So pallet is doing some interesting stuff in trying to create these niche job communities niche talent communities and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I still think that like the problem is I need to post to all of them, mm -hmm. not to just one of them. I need, mm -hmm. I need broader reach. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem that I'm, I'm struggling with personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, Austin and I were also having this conversation of like, on top of all this, we were like, you know, a, like a product design job board would also be great. Like something that is just focused on software mm -hmm. design. Yeah. I mean, animals started a content marketing one, right? And Are you thinking of super the spinoff? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Super fast is cool. Yeah, it is. It is. I think, I think the, the value is the, their community and, and mm -hmm. all of that. I think it's my problem with job boards. And this doesn't mean I won't just go and build one as like a weekend project <laughs> is the fact that like, it's like a feature. It's sure. like a point. It's a point solution. And I don't know. I think there is value behind it, but it's just like job boards, like designer jobs or whatever it can just be replaced tomorrow. Not that they will, right? This is the same argument of like, oh, why doesn't Google just build this thing? It's like, because Google doesn't do things that don't make them more than like $100 million a year. So it's not worth it. But still, it's just... Is designer jobs worth posting to? <laughs> I don't know. It's That's Andrew Wilkinson's company now. Well, so there's... Uh -huh. Is it? Yeah. Is this one of his? Okay. Yeah. Because he, I know he owns Designer News, and Designer News has a job board, and he owns Dribble, and Dribble has a job board. But there's also designerjobs.co, and then there was one that I found that was like design jobs or something. Sorry, he owns Designer News, not okay. Yeah. Not designerjobs.co. Yeah. Wait, why not post to like Dribble? Doesn't I did. Dribble have a, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. No, so the places we. Mm -hmm. Posts have posted to so far Dribble, We Work Remotely, which I didn't realize that Andrew Wilkinson also owns now, mm -hmm. Diversify Tech, Remote Woman, mm -hmm. and then sending it out in our newsletter today, sending it out in a friend's newsletter on Friday, posting to Fimke's job board. Mm -hmm. Typically, we only do We Work Remotely or Remote OK. This time, We Work Remotely didn't send us as much traffic as it has in the past. So, we're going to mm -hmm. try posting. We've tried posting to Remote OK as well. Mm -hmm and may you know, go back to remote okay. Again, this is what I've been talking about. Like I wanna know which one of these is worth my time yeah. or should I just be posting to both of them? And it's hard to know that without seeing more data. And then 
I think those are the main ones we've posted to so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are. But yeah, I just searched designer jobs and found this designerjobs.co. I found another one that was like a design jobs. I can't remember what it was called. Hold on one second. I can find it. There really should just be something that consolidates all of them. It can't be that hard. <laughs> There's one that is kind of what ZipRecruiter was trying to do early on is they basically bought up designjobsboard.com appears to be just design jobs in London. Mm, interesting. I was planning to post there and then I was like, why is it in pounds? And then I was like, why are all of these in London? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of what ZipRecruiter did, I think, for a while. They like just bought job boards. They bought small job boards up in mass. And then when you posted to ZipRecruiter, they would post to all of them. But I, the problem with that is it's like not quite targeted enough. I think there needs to be something like a level lower. Yeah. Cause I don't, or maybe I just need to try ZipRecruiter again. Maybe I had a bad experience once and I should give it another shot, but, or maybe there's just, it's the perpetual cycle of tech. Someone builds something and then they become big. And so they like expand to doing a bunch of other things and the quality of that original thing degrades and so then someone else comes in and does the same exact thing that they were originally trying to do but just focused on that and then they do it better and then they get big and then they die and it's just the life cycle of tech yeah so don't quote me on this but i think there's an exact funding round where that happens and it's when you hit series c where you try to do where you go into becoming all the things Mm. i don't know how true that is but someone said it probably on twitter and everything on twitter is the truth so speaking of Uh uh-huh how about that uh, QR code? <laughs> Are you talking about the Coinbase QR code? Yeah, I'm talking about the Coinbase QR code. <laughs> what about the Coinbase QR code? Do you just want my take on the Coinbase QR code? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess like the question is like, was your Twitter blown up? Blowing up about okay. yeah the QR code? Okay. For cool, sure. Cool. So I would watch the Super Bowl with my girlfriend and one of our neighbors. Uh-huh. I've still never seen the Super Bowl, by the way. Yeah, I've never seen it. I love football. I'm I'm a huge football fan, so I watch it. I don't think I've watched it every year, but pretty much. So there were three of us. Mm-hmm. My friend JD and I refused to scan it because we were like, they're just trying to take us to some website. I don't want to participate in this. <laughs> but then Maddie was like, I'm too curious. And so she scanned it. And then we were like, of fucking course it's Coinbase. <laughs> like, of course. Uh-huh. But it, I mean, QR codes used to be stupid, right? Like they used to be obnoxious. People tried to make them a thing. 10 years ago, eight years ago. And, you know, the iPhone didn't like, didn't have it built in to the camera app. It was harder to even get to the camera app. There were all these problems that meant QR codes didn't really work. Mm -hmm. QR codes work really well now. They're really fucking useful. And so I think it's a really clever idea because like one of the big problems with advertising, right, is with TV advertising is you never actually get somebody to your site to do the thing you want them to do. Most people, it's like just an awareness play. And this turned TV into a a more direct like advertising play, mm-hmm. which is super smart. And I guess it, I would say the problem with it was like, it was just kind of a lame offer. Like you get to Coinbase and it's just like crypto and everyone's just fucking tired of crypto. Uh-huh. And so I think it would have been a lot cooler if they did it like, yeah, if it wasn't just like crypto, but it was like, here's some cool can like some cool thing that you can do or some cool game we created or something more interactive that you can be a part of also crypto. But then on the flip side, the Coinbase app like became number two in the app store or something the day after. 
Mm-hmm. And it drove like, apparently, I haven't checked any of this. I'm getting this purely from Twitter. But apparently it worked really effing well. Mm-hmm. So who am I to judge? Also, we're now going to see so many QR codes in, in commercials. I'm convinced the next year of commercials is going to be chock full of QR codes. So my Twitter blew up in anger over the QR code. No, I, I agree with you. I think it's po- I think it, I agree with you. And I think the only reason it was possible this year is because of the amount of training we've had from restaurants to QR code. Every time we go eat out, it's just like do the QR code thing to get the uh, to get the menu up. Although granted, it's a, always like an awful PDF menu <laughs> and not like a good experience. And I wish that was better. But but uh, security Twitter was a little bit up in arms about it because we've just essentially trained millions of people to use QR codes and trust them implicitly. And that's a scary thought because links can be dangerous. That being said, like, yes, does it tell you where you're going? So you can click, like you you can double opt into the QR code. Yeah, but are people stupid and do they click on, it's another, like, are people gonna be stupid and click on phishing links in the future? Yeah, but I don't know. I guess at the same time, like people click on links anyway. Like it's not that different. It's just like people have been putting QR codes on stickers and slapping them to the side of telephone poles for 10 years. That's what I was thinking too. (laughs) And you don't know where those go. And like, I saw the Mm -hmm. pushback on on security Twitter and the people I respect more in security Twitter were mainly like, this is more just blaming the user. Like, yeah. this is not a new behavior. People click links. Links exist. There are short links all over the place. There are links yeah. on websites everywhere that you don't know what it's going to, and you just click it. Yeah. Um, this is not some sort of new behavior. Let's not freak out. Yeah. No, same here. I think that's the final verdict on it, too. But, yeah, clever campaign. I can't believe yeah. it's never been done before. That's the crazy thing, too. Yeah. Honestly, like, it is Spotify shocking that, that no one has done it. this yet. Yeah. Huh? Spotify does their own like little playlist code, and that's pretty cool. How are other things at the agency? How are things going? So we've been talking about data okay, and security trends. Uh-huh. Tell me about it. So I have some new data to share. You do? Okay. <laughs> See what I mean on, on niche data sets that are public? <laughs> uh, so this will be public by the time this podcast comes out. I wrote a super serious and not at all sarcastic blog post about how to name your cybersecurity product using data. Um, (laughs) So we'll put the link to that in the show notes. Basically, like you and I had this conversation a long time ago about like which security product, which letter do most security product names start with? Mm -hmm. And I've been working with our assistant to put together a big list of security products, mainly because I was curious. I had some questions around like how many have their pricing on their website and like what sort of penetration are we seeing for product-led growth? Like Mm -hmm. what percentage of security companies are shifting to a product-led growth approach where you can access the product, access the Mm -hmm. pricing without having to go through a sales team? That's the original reason I started putting this big-ass spreadsheet together. But then I realized I could answer the question of which letter do most security companies' names start with? And a bunch of other really silly, stupid questions. So do you want to hear some of the results? I absolutely do. All right, let me just pull this up. I will ask you the questions. Go for it. 
you guess, and then I will tell you how accurate you are and share the okay. data. To be fair, I, I have already shown you some of this. You have, you have, you have. How much, how well do you remember it? I only remember the one that I guessed right when we had first started this. Cool. How long is the average cybersecurity product name in terms of characters? Ooh, let's see. E L A S T I C E. Or what the hell? Well, we can't do public spelling. Does not. What did I even say? E L A S T I C. Okay, cool. Uh, seven. Close. Yeah. Uh, eight to nine. Eight to nine characters. I think. Gotcha. I think it's like eight point gotcha. something. Let me see. Yeah, the average length is eight point seven two characters. The average link is eight point seven. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. The average so, link. The average link. Dot com. Link. Oh, length. Link. Length. Okay. Length of a cybersecurity product name. Now, I will say mm. there are a couple of names in this list. So we pulled this data from the Momentum Cyberscape PDF that gets published every year. Mm -hmm. And we figured that would be, those would be sort of big, well-established companies. So this doesn't have as many small startups. Mm. So will be interesting to maybe do an update of some of this data at some point in the future. So this data is a little bit skewed. So like one of the longest names is Looking Glass Cyber Solutions, legit name. But then there's another one. There's a couple in here that are like, Norm Shield, now Black Kite. And there's like one in here that's like such and such by such and such, if that makes sense. So might be a little bit lower than that, might be closer to seven if you took out some of those outliers. But yeah, 8.72. Yeah, interesting. What letter do most cybersecurity names start with? S, it's always S, secure yep. frame. I, I don't know what other things are this. I'm just saying totally called my shot on this one. You disagreed yeah. with me when I originally posited this theory. I was right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Sean Cyber. Oh, you know what? I probably said like C, didn't I? When you yep. asked me. C, is, C like, is the second second highest followed by A. Mm -hmm. By the way, yeah. question. Of all the things you looked through, what were some of your favorite security startup names or security company names? And then oh. what would you name your security startup? Okay, so in this super serious blog post that I wrote, yeah, the name that I recommended because it is the had the most like combinations of <laughs> of like you know common words and letters and everything yep. Yep. was security cybernet, which <sighs> is available. Securitycybernet.com is available, Sean. It could be yours. We could start this company together. <laughs> Can it just be an aggregator of job boards and job board data? <laughs> I don't know that that makes any sense at but all. But <laughs> what the fuck is security cybernet? I have no fucking clue. I mean, what the fuck is Acunetics or 4IQ? I have 4IQ. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good question. I haven't picked a favorite security name. Okay. I've always been a fan of just like very simple names. Like, hmm. so like I'm just scrolling through this. I just saw Depth, which is kind of a cool name. Hmm. You could do so much with that brand hmm. and so much like nautical stuff that you could hmm. do with that brand that would be really fun. Hmm. And it's just, it's so simple. It doesn't necessarily tell people exactly what you do, hmm. but I'm guessing it's 
directly tied to like one of their core differentiators or something. So I've always liked names like that. Nice. Let's see. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. Hit me. Let's do it. Okay. What were the most common like words or sort of like, like Psy, C-Y is an example of, so I, mm. you know, I tried to not just break up the list into actual English words, but things that were kind of word-like to get a, a sense of like, how many nets are there? How many scapes are there? That mm. sort of thing. So what is obviously the first two, like are probably Psy and biggest were security and cyber. Yeah. And then do you want to guess at what some of the, the next most common like words or prefixes were? What did you say was the third most common letter? Third most common letter was A. A. Although A is not actually represented in any of these most common oh, interesting. words. Okay. Or pre- well, so I, I pulled a list of like, you know, you could have gone down for a while. So I ended up pulling a list of, for my word list, mm-hmm. I think I cut it off. It like it had to have appeared at least five times, I think. So I've got, yeah, like 27 words. Gotcha. 28 okay. words. What is another prefix? Uh, App was uh, just missed the cutoff. It appeared I four see. times. I see. Okay. Which is actually shocking. That seems that really low. Yeah. Hmm. I guess I can I guess, I guess AppSec me, but... is like kind of becoming a bigger thing now. And so maybe we'll see more of that. Yeah. Hmm. Gray. Uh, I'm sure gray is in here. Might have been messed up just because... Yeah, because G R A N G E R G E G R E. Wow, I can't spell him. On yeah, a I bet, I bet, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so number three was net. So it goes oh, security, cyber, net, mm-hmm. sci, secure, ID. Set. This is, wait, wait, wait. These are these are suffixes and prefixes, or yeah, yeah. They're just kind of like again word like things uh, that you know. I tried to break up names into. Like, gotcha 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 because like most names a lot of names don't use an actual word they use like something that is a part of a word yeah so yeah nice the most interesting one to me of that like top 28 or whatever there were five companies that like started with in you new like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I w- that surprised me i wonder if that was just like a naming trend at some point i wonder what this data would look like if you separate it by region and funding round. Mm. I'm super curious what letter gets the most funding. That would be I am I am also uh-huh. very curious. I the way we had built this data initially, I couldn't I couldn't easily run that query. Right. right. But with Mike's data, I should be able mm-hmm. to answer that question. Yeah. Um, and he I would bet he would have location as well mm-hmm. so yeah because i that would be really interesting like is are there certain names that are more common in europe mm-hmm. or more common in israel so anyway mm-hmm. this blog post at the time this podcast comes out this blog post will be out it'll be linked cool. in the show notes super silly project but it was a lot of fun to just spend a day going through excel spreadsheets and trying to like organize mm-hmm. the data in fun weird ways are so. you going to make the data public for other people to play around with? It's super messy right now. You got to do the cool air table thing where people put the. Although, yeah. would that be a competing product with Mike? Potentially, Mike's? yeah. Okay. Although, a very shitty competitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess a list is not the same as. Yeah. yeah. Right now, we're 
yeah, right now we probably won't just because it's like mm-hmm. super disorganized and everything. And it's just kind of a, like there for our own purposes of answering these questions and not like organized in a neat and structured way. If you want access to similar data like this, I would say go to, go to, um, yeah, I think it's data.returnonsecurity.com. What, uh, what's going on in your world? Uh, not much. What is going on in my world? I don't know. Self-care. I think, uh, Ooh, speaking of self-care, remember the last time we were talking to the other Andrew and you guys were like, oh, you don't meditate and you shame me into. That is hardly <laughs> how that conversation went. The conversation, if I remember it correctly, was me and Andrew both saying meditation is really good for you. It's also really fucking hard and we never do it. <laughs> oh, that's fair. I tried doing breath work the other day and that cool. was actually a cool, interesting, like, active form of meditation that was cool what is the difference between breath work and meditation i'm still not clear on that i think meditation is this idea of like clear your mind and so my understanding right every time i've done like this guided meditation route it's like this like you know sit there feel and be present in the moment and kind of feel through you know various parts of your body and in the physical realm and kind of it's, it's like decluttering like your mind breath work is just like follow these like breathing techniques where you like breathing really fast or like whatever, but then it's it's super active. The one that I did was kind of just something to get my adrenaline pumping. So I would wake up and like, not just wake up, but also feel like motivated or focused to do something mm. because like it winded me and then unwinded me enough for me to just like, it feels like meditation is a, uh, how do I say this? It feels like breath work was like a hard reset or like a, I don't know. It kind of sounds like from the way you're describing it, both could be forms of mindfulness, but Mm -hmm. meditation is a little bit more internal. And while it often has a physiological reaction, Mm -hmm. it's like that happens as a result of meditation. It's a little bit more focused on the mind. I think so. Whereas breath work, it sounds like is a little bit more designed specifically to activate the body in some way. I think so. I think so. I think it, mm. it literally, I think, I mean, when you breathe in and out that much that quickly and or with different patterns, I think your adrenaline pumps and you get lightheaded and all of that. And you're kind of reframing that feeling of dizziness into like something else, in my opinion. I don't know. I'm, I've done this for like two days. So I'm not the expert at all in this. I've also heard about yoga Nidra, which is also very interesting. Huberman does it, which is why I got, I looked it up. Huberman no Labs, that, yeah. that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Do you think it's something you're going to stick with or try to? I think that it has been helping the two days I've done it. Mainly, it's gotten me out of like very unmotivational slumps. I think that I have a tendency to get in my own way where there are sometimes like things that just need to be done and I'm like actively choosing to sabotage and not do it, whereas I know exactly the consequences that I will face and the feelings that I will feel after. And I think there's a way to reframe that that's a little bit more kind than that you're actively trying to sabotage and you know what needs to be done. I think uh-huh. we could reframe that as you're a human being who has limits and you're pushing yourself really hard and sometimes you just like can't and that's okay and all of us feel that way. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, I think that's fair. At least I hope that's the case because I feel that way all the fucking time where I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know what I need to do. Why can't I start doing it? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Let me ask you that. Like when you have that feeling, what do you do? 
like recently I've just like <laughs> I just immediately resorted to breath work. Mm, it's like that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. You're building a tool to like to get through that. Oh, it's tough, man. Mm. When I feel that way, I often get stuck there for a while and it takes me a while to get unstuck. Mm. I'll often try to take a walk, getting outside and taking a walk around the block will sometimes help me get unstuck. But sometimes I take a walk and then I come back and I sit back down at my computer and I'm still stuck. Mm-hmm. Usually it takes a small win. It takes like getting something checked off my to-do list. And if I can get that small win, then I can start stacking them up and, and do more. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important for me, I've noticed, to like try when I sit down in the morning to like get something done before I start checking Twitter and start checking Slack and email. I'm not great about doing this all the time, but some days I do and those are usually my most productive days so I think I can gauge my level of tiredness by how much I'm scrolling like how much I'm deep scrolling through TikTok I can like actively see probably on my screen time that I spend more and more time on like either TikTok or Twitter or whatever social media like you know or whatever thing whereas like I think two weeks ago it was just pure absolute focus but yeah I think I don't know I'll let you know in two weeks if the breath work worked out. So we'll see. This could also be a sign that you just need to take it easy for a week or two. That's true. And, you know, either just don't try to get as much done or even take some time off or take a break. I will when I hire my goddamn growth marketer. (laughs) (laughs) The moment I can delegate some of that work, I think is when I can like feel like I can breathe easy for a little bit. How many people do you want to hire this year? I think... I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't have like a good answer for that. Two more people? Yeah, I think two more people. I think in terms of actual full-time people, we're almost the same as you. Maybe mm-hmm. one or two I think extra. you might even be a little bit larger, yeah. When I'm writing about our team or talking to other people about our team, <laughs> I always feel bad because I'm like, I'll have to think about how many people are on our team. And that seems like a really obvious thing a manager should know is how many people are on your team, especially if you're a company like ours where it's super small. But what's actually happening in my head is I'm trying to do the math of like, do I count, you know, part-time people? If I do count part-time people, do I count literally every part-time person we work with? Because like Mm -hmm. we work with account fleet. They're not team members really but they are kind of our accounting team and they mm-hmm. like there's three people who work for account fully that gotcha. are you know that we work with um and so like where do i draw the line between someone is a contractor who works with us versus a contractor who's part of our team mm-hmm. and so i'm always like uh there's like gotcha eight or nine or ten depending yeah. on how you want to count and it half eight and the reality is two. yeah the other person who I'm usually talking to or the person I'm writing for doesn't need that level of detail. And I can yeah, just yeah. pick a number and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. What was I going to say? I just counted by the number of people I'm paying for in Slack because these are all the people I talk to. But no, I feel that. Yeah. It's either going to be two or like 12, just for the record. I have no idea. Or negative three. I don't yeah. know. It kind of depends on how long this sustains. Let me throw the question back at you. How many people are you trying to hire this year? It is the beginning of the year, which is why I don't think I can give you a clear answer. Yeah, that's fair. So it's something I'm thinking about right now. Ideally, I don't want to hire that many people this year. I really like the size we're at now. I like the way our team is gelling. We are definitely going to hire an account manager this year. If I don't do that, then I need you to like 
fly to Detroit and slap me across the face because we have been needing that position for so long. And I just need to like get, like, we need to do it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to hire an account manager. One of the other things that we're going to do is either, I don't know yet if it'll be internal or external. I have suspicions. I have a hypothesis, but we're going to create a director of engineering position this year mm. so that there is someone on the team who is spending at least part of their time thinking about how to grow the careers of the engineers on the team in the same way that Austin thinks about how to grow the careers of designers. And to be fair, Austin does think about that a little bit right now, but he's just not able to do it as well as someone who is like, yeah. and in like sort of in the mindset of an engineer. And if we hire that person internally, then we will probably need to hire someone to kind of replace them in their previous role. Mm-hmm. So I think most likely we will have at least those two hires. The person we're hiring right now is a replacement. So, you know, not an expansion, but we are hiring for that product design position right now. Mm-hmm. I really want to grow to the point where we can have about eight active clients at a time without having people doing much context switching. So as much as possible, have people dedicated to maximum two projects. So mm-hmm. eight active projects at a time means 16. Yeah. People. Roughly. Yeah. Plus minus, uh, you know, directors yeah. and stuff. But yeah. Yep. So we're not going to try to get to that this year. No way. Mm. But sales is going fairly well right now. You know, pipeline isn't like overflowing, but there's just like good solid leads that are nice. kind of coming in from when outbound I need or them to. inbound. Inbound. Nice. Um, cool. Well, two folks are like outbound from last year mm. and then one, one inbound at the moment. Very cool. Uh, we had our first lead come from like someone leaving a company and going to another company and wanting nice. to like wanting us that's, to work with a new company. That's the best. And I was like, Ooh, that feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so yeah, then the question is just how much do we want to grow this year? And right, right. I would like to not grow a whole lot because growth is stressful and we've been through enough stress the past couple of years. I think it's okay for us to just, you know, focus on doing what we do well. I'm hoping we won't have to replace anyone else this year. I'm hoping that, you know, most of the team stays mm-hmm. throughout the year, but probably someone we might have have one more person leave. So yeah, we will hire at least three, hopefully no more than five or six. And I think ideal for me would be this product design position, the technical account manager, another engineer, and then at least one more designer and maybe another engineer as well. Nice. Cool. It's very interesting to hear you talk about crit like that because it is very different than, well, I don't know, because I'm tired today and really drained. Um, But all of, I think all of at least last month or coming into February, my brain was all about like, how do I grow this into the biggest thing? I think largely it's because a lot of our inbound has been on the motion graphic side and then marketing. Mm. Like, and we also just, we hired a, like a really, really, really talented motion graphics person, someone I went to school with. Mm-hmm. We've worked with him in the past on things and now finally kind of we're able to kind of bring him in house and super excited to have Caleb on. I think I see him in an hour to bug him about certain things, but like we don't, I don't know. I got to show you some of the stuff that this guy does. Like, it's so good. It's like mind blowing. Like besides the client projects, I've set him off on a path to make a real for us and i'm so excited for whenever it comes out probably april but like it's just like holy shit 
So anyway, it's super interesting because it's also super interesting because this is like a service offering that I have no understanding of how to do. Like I'm off. I can't do motion graphics whatsoever. I can do like a PowerPoint presentation and that's the amount of motion that you're seeing for me. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're on this like weird potential path into building and fleshing a lot of that like video and marketing stuff out right now. But yeah, yeah, that's us. Yeah. Cool. So that's why it's either two or 12. <laughs> yeah, we know what we do. That's not going to change drastically. If we develop new service offerings, they will be kind of within the bucket of product design, product engineering. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be getting into doing websites a little bit more. It might mm-hmm. be getting into one thing I really, really want to do is like mm-hmm. engineering consulting. Oh, so not uh engineering work where we're necessarily writing code maybe we're doing some pair programming alongside their team or something yeah but hey we're gonna come in we're gonna assess how much technical debt you have and then help you make a plan to like start working that technical debt down and along the way we're gonna help you implement like some better git workflows or you know some better documentation processes or things like that and both of those services, I could see, you know, developing some ancillary talent for, like, if we get into websites, we probably need someone who's better at, like, copywriting. Mm. If we get into, you know, documentation, we might need a technical writer at some point, some stuff like that. But for the most part, mm. you know, we want to stay in our lane of product design, product engineering. I really like that because I hope you, if you do that, you expand that into like not just like how to get a technical debt, but also like how to build engineering teams, mm-hmm. mainly because then you kind of bring in also DNI things. I have a friend who currently works at a not Fang, but Fang tangential company, and she is the single female product manager on a team mm-hmm. of on a team of all men, and has told me very interesting stories from her experience of like working with them. And I feel like that is such a valuable service that isn't provide or i don't know if it's provided right because i haven't heard of it but that would be so cool right like i think whether it's like executive training for how to do it from the ground up like that you can like you know that like x startup can throw their director of engineering into for a one-week intensive or just a talk to everyone and then offer them a plan of how to improve and i know that's kind of like a little bit more removed from what you were talking about but i think it's also processes not just yeah yeah culture and stuff but i don't know no, i would love i would love to you know for it to branch into that mm-hmm. i think a part of what we sometimes do is help people with their hiring process a little bit just mm-hmm. like when people are trying to replace us we'll yeah. often help advise them on how to recruit and hire engineers um, and I don't ever want to become a recruiting firm, which is funny given we started this podcast <laughs> talking about like kind of recruiting, but I certainly for crit, I don't want crit to become a recruiting firm, but doing consulting and process and like, yeah, we have thought a lot about hiring good engineers. Like that's yeah. our business only exists if we are good at hiring good engineers. Mm-hmm. And so, True. yeah, it's something we've thought about a lot and it's something we care about a lot. And so I'd love to have a chance to impact other companies with that. It's something that gets me excited, but it's not something I've had people ask us for yet. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you know, a, it's one of those things where people don't like. I don't think people know to ask for that, especially mm-hmm. out of like what Crit already represents, right? It's not. It doesn't feel very tangential to mm-hmm. what you do, but it's a That's byproduct fair. that is very valuable. 
Yeah, that's fair. So I, I got to figure that out because like mm-hmm. you can't build a business on something people don't want mm-hmm. and or don't know that they need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The need and the want has got to be there and they've got to be kind of like actively looking to get better. But I think the problem is there. I think there are plenty of engineering teams that are struggling to operate as efficiently as they could. And, mm-hmm. you know, just about every team we've worked on has been like, we've worked with it great people but running engineering teams is hard and it's messy and it's you know especially when they're growing fast so yeah we'll see well anything else going on or should we wrap it i think we should wrap it i've i've got another call in just a little bit so oh cool good to see you good to see you man this was a fun like all over the place episode it was was. very have fun editing (laughs) (laughs) sort of ski boots yeah hopefully it'll be it'll be interesting to people and we'll get back to maybe a a topic driven episode next week see you later bye see you later you just listened to small efforts a podcast collaboration between crit and miscreants hosted by sean sun and andrew askins sean is a hacker turned designer and the founder of miscreants a creative agency building memorable brand and product experiences for cybersecurity ventures Andrew is an engineer turned CEO and the founder of Crit, a product design agency that helps cybersecurity founders create better products. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can check us out at smalleffortspod.com. Thanks for listening. See you next episode.